welcome to Tech Law Talks. I am Anthony Diana, a member of Reed Smith's Tech and Data Group. In each episode of this podcast, we will discuss cutting edge issues on technology, data, and the law. We will provide practical observations on a wide variety of technology and data topics to give you quick and actionable tips to address the issues you are dealing with every day. Hello, this is Anthony Diana from Reed Smith. Welcome back to Tech Law Talks and our M365 and 5 governance series, where we are joined by Lighthouse to explore the core governance elements of Microsoft Office 365 and key operational and legal considerations. In this episode, we'll be discussing governance in, of team sites, and in particularly the concept of provisioning and the concept of ownership of a team site. Joining us today are Therese Caparo from Reed Smith and John Collins from Lighthouse. Welcome. So let's start. I think one of the things that we talked a little bit about in a prior podcast is the need for governance, um, particularly around, I think, team sites. I think it's going to be particularly important. And one of, one of the key issues is for governance is provisioning, right? How do you create a team site who's involved and the like? So, Therese, what, is, what do we mean by provisioning and you know, how does it work and why is it important, really? Yeah, when we're talking about provisioning, we're not necessarily talking about just the you know, technical mechanism of giving someone a team site or giving somebody a team's channel. What we're talking about is the process that surrounds that. So how do you determine you know, when a team site or a team's channel is provided to a particular person or to a particular group? What information do you gather around that site or that channel that will allow you to manage the information that's in that channel, how long you retain the data in the channel, you know, have understanding around what information is being stored or used in that channel. And I think that why that's important is that what we've seen is when, you know, when these things are launched in an organization, people want to use them. And you can see an explosion of team sites once you open up this, offer this to the company. We had one client who said within a year they had 12,000, right, team sites, which may be great for the business, right? But when that happens, just like we've seen in the past with shared drives, where's all the data? We don't know what's in it. We don't know who owns it. You know, the one person leaves and now nobody knows what's in that site anymore or whether it needs to be retained. Is that having some provisioning up front really allows down the road for better governance and management. So, John Collins, like, what are you seeing clients do in terms of, of provisioning from, from a technical standpoint? I mean, I think it's, it's not something I think legal and compliance generally has ever been involved in, right? It seems to be a, an IT thing. So what are you seeing in terms of clients dealing with provisioning at Teams? Yeah, so I think it's a very important question. It's one that you're right, it flies under the radar for legal and compliance teams. But so the first, there's kind of a threshold question, which is, is the organization going to enable pure self-service? Because out of the box, Office 365 is designed so that anyone can create a team at any time. And so like Therese said, you can have an organization that within six months or a year has 12,000 or 20,000 teams. So what we see organizations doing is turning off self-creation, and they're going to a model where the business goes through a gating process. They fill out a form. The form has questions that are appropriate to the business. Like one of our clients, they have a question on there. Are you going to put certain types of uh, sensitive information in this team? If the answer is yes, 
then the process says you can't use a team for this and it stops them. So having a structured process where there's questions that are asked and then the approval is made, it can be made instantly based on the form, then the team gets created. And so having that kind of framework up up front from a technical perspective is important, but the legal and compliance teams should be contributing to that dialogue saying, you know, these are the factors that we would like to see incorporated into the provisioning process. That's great. And I think, Therese, one of the things that we're seeing, and again, I think it's a it's an interesting concept and probably needed for particularly for unstructured data, is this concept of ownership. Why does ownership matter and, and particularly for governance and teams? Sure. So we're talking about ownership. What we're talking about is who's responsible for that team site or that team's channel, right? Who is the individual within the organization who knows what's in the team site and the team channel, knows how it's supposed to be used, is responsible for making sure that the team site or the team's channel operates the way where they said it was going to operate when they opened it. And I think why that's so important is because that's knowledge, right? It's knowledge transfer. It's I have somebody in the organization who is a responsible person, who knows the business, who knows the data, who can make sure the policies are followed, who can make sure that the knowledge transfer happens. And I think one of the things that we're seeing too is not just that there's an owner, but that there's a process to you always have to have an owner. So if that person leaves the organization, a new owner is put in place, which ensures the knowledge transfer. So, I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of that to avoid what we see in the past, orphan data that no one knows what it is. Um, but also it's this concept of making sure we're complying with policy and having somebody who's responsible for that, for that particular site. Yeah, that's important. And I think, you know, John, I, one of the things that, you know, I think legal and compliance obviously should have a seat in the table is, is in the provisioning process, besides the ownership requirement, is certain information that should be gathered, right? And and having rules around it. I mean, you know, talking to you, I remember you telling us originally, you know, naming convention matters. Um, and then we've seen some some examples where they launched without a naming convention and literally the, one of the names was me. And the description was... <laughs> my name, right? Like, I, like, so could you just explain what is the type of information you're seeing clients or legal and compliance saying, look, it'd be really good to have this. And why does it matter? Why is grabbing some of this information so critical for whether it's e-discovery compliance or like sort of the downstream aspects? Right. Well, I think it goes to the whole point of governance in general, but so the naming convention is critical because if you have an organization of any size and you've got hundreds or thousands of sites or tens of thousands, at some point downstream, the legal and compliance teams are going to need to look for information. They're going to need to sift through those thousands of teams in some fashion. So if you have a meaningful naming convention, which says the department, the purpose of the team, uh, the business division that it's part of, there's a lot of ways to approach it. It's not a one size fits all, but that's really critical. And then also capturing what's the purpose of the team so that, again, the stakeholders from compliance and legal can look at what's the, what's the description of the team. That's another one that's important. Uh, what kinds of data is this, does this team contain sensitive information or company confidential? So there's a number of different things, and each organization has to look at it in the context of their particular risk profile. But at the end of the day, you know, when you're provisioning 
uh, it's that it's your it's the opportunity for the organization to have this upfront governance that's going to pay big dividends downstream. It makes it a little bit more a little bit more friction for the business people because maybe it's not an instant creation of a team. Maybe it takes a day. Maybe it takes a couple days. Or maybe if the provisioning process is you just have to answer these questions a certain way and you get the team instantly. But whatever it is, it's going to pay a lot of have a lot of benefits downstream from a compliance and legal perspective. Yeah, and one of the things that we've seen when we had some IT people pushing back, something to think about, and this goes back to the ownership point, is some of the reporting that they can get out of teams sometimes can be pivoted off the owner. So if you don't want them saying, here's the business line in the description, at least making sure that the owner actually owns the data. And so that you can say, okay, the owner if we use that as the business line, like the owner is a part of a business and we can rely on that, maybe you don't have to put it in the naming convention. So I think that's one of the things that we're seeing organizations try to figure this out. One other thing I was going to say, we have seen some organizations that from an ownership perspective, one of the questions on the provisioning form is, is either a question or you have to take a small training video as a team owner before the team gets provisioned. So basically, you know, you, you say, yes, I will learn to Teresa's point about these different aspects of responsibility for, for being the owner of the team. That's terrific. Well, thanks guys. I think this is really helpful. Thanks everybody for listening. We're going to have more on this in future podcasts. So we hope you can join us. Tech Law Talks is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Allie McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's tech and data practice, please email techlawtalks at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and ReadSmith.com, and our social media accounts at ReadSmith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. All rights reserved.